Reflection is such that you don't really know what life is all about. Uh, We're really accustomed, aren't we, to reflecting and reviewing, assessing things in the workplace and at school, if you're a school student. But what about for life generally? How thought through are you on what life is all about? Uh, There's a book uh, that was quite popular about a decade ago uh, called Getting Things Done by David Allen. Has anyone read this? It's one of those productivity books. No one. (laughs) Says something about this congregation, doesn't it? Uh, It's a good book. Uh, And the subtitle of the book, this will sell it to you. The subtitle reads like this, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, But what if you're busily getting things done and they're the wrong things? High productivity, which none of you seem to be guilty of, uh, it's useless in that sense, isn't it? And what what if you're a person who sits down to take stock of life and your reflection amounts to not a whole lot more than chasing a better interest rate? or organising life around a superior diet and exercise regime, or sharpening your focus on your pursuit for that life partner, or career success, or the next adventure, or having a really settled and happy family, or if you're a kid and a teenager, the next game or the, the next smartphone. Now, those aren't bad things, are they? It's also not bad to want to be uh, an elite sportsman. But if that is all our reflections amount to, by the way, sometimes my reflection doesn't get beyond just getting through the day uh, or the week. Uh, We open the Apostle Paul's letter to Ephesians this afternoon, uh, and if productivity happens to be your thing... Uh, You love to get things done, and it seems that none of you do. Uh, We're not told to do anything in Ephesians until we get to chapter 4. So you could could break the book of Ephesians into two, verses chapters 1 to 3 is explanation, and chapters 4 to 6 is application. Uh, To say that another way, theology, chapters 1 to 3... Uh, Theology just means knowledge of God. Theology shapes our ethics, what we do, chapters 4 to 6. Now, we're looking just at the introduction this afternoon, and next week we're looking at the end. Some of you read books this way, beginning and end. So we're doing that uh, over the next two weeks. And this week you might like to read the whole book uh, for yourself. Anyway, we see Ephesians was written by Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus in verse 1. Uh, you may know that word apostle, it means sent one. So this bloke, Paul, he's not a self-appointed leader, but God chose him and sent him to preach the news of Jesus and to establish and build up churches. So he writes with authority, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you notice if your Bible's there, Paul writes to God's holy people in Ephesus. Now to say that these people are holy 
is simply to say that they're ordinary people who trust in Jesus. Holy, that they're set apart to be his. Uh, This is a letter addressed to Christians. But if you're not yet someone who trusts in Jesus, it's really worth listening in. In any case, from verse 3 to 14, Paul sort of just takes off uh, with an outburst of praise that, that in the Greek is just one massive sentence. So I guess we picture him taking stock. What, what's life all about as he reflects? We know from chapter 6 he's actually in chains, most uh, likely in Rome. So he's reflecting. See, see the grounds for his giving praise in verse 3. I'll, I'll read. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's a remarkable phrase, isn't it, to to, to sit with. The, The blessing comes from God the Father. It's found in Christ Jesus. It's a spiritual blessing. The Holy Spirit is alluded to. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. If you're someone who trusts in Jesus here this afternoon, well, then you have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Maybe that sounds a bit abstract at this point. Yeah, someone comes along and says to you, you trust in Jesus, well, that's great, mate, but you need something more, you know? Jesus isn't enough. Uh, You need a second blessing. Paul says, no. No, in Christ, you have it all. And it's in the heavenly realms. uh, We may assume reality is the physical world. Uh, What we see and what we touch, that's all that there is. But there's more to life than good interest rates. There's more to life than a new smartphone or, or career success or a settled happy family. Sometimes our reflection is just too small. There's a spiritual reality. There's more going on than what we can see with our eyes. And and Paul, in this one loaded sentence, begins to fill out the details for us. Firstly, verses 4 to 6, he refers to the past blessing of election. I'll read verse 4. Look there with me. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before God said, let there be light, he had his people in mind. Sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this, sometimes our reflection on life can be so focused on me, on ourselves, that we consider how we include God in our plans. But do you see here how God includes us in his before the creation of the world. Uh, There's that word at the start of verse 6, he predestined us. It it means what it sounds like it means. Pre, beforehand, like pre-season tickets. Predestined, destined, destiny. I, I really love what John Stott says on this. He says, now everybody finds the doctrine of election difficult. Didn't I choose God, somebody says? Uh, To which we must answer, yes, indeed you did. 
and freely, but only because in eternity God first chose you. Didn't I decide for Christ, asks somebody else, to which we must reply, yes. Yes, indeed you did, and freely, but only because in eternity God first decided for you. Stott goes on and he says, Scripture nowhere dispels the mystery of election and we should beware of any who try to systematise it too precisely or rigidly. You know what that doctrine of election does? It can give the believer a strong sense of security. Chosen before the creation of the world, a God that does this can certainly carry my salvation to completion. From eternity to eternity. Sometimes it's said, if God chooses, well then we don't need to preach the gospel. I don't need to tell my friends about Jesus. Is that true? It's a good question. But it's also living out and proclaiming the news of Jesus that God chooses to be his usual way of bringing people to faith. If you've been reading Acts lately, you might recall Acts chapter 18, where Paul's motivation to preach the gospel in Corinth, despite this really strong opposition, was that the Lord had many people in that city, people ready to hear the saving news of Jesus. And that might be you this afternoon, receiving the saving news of Jesus. It's pretty mind-blowing, don't you think, that, that God thought of you well before you thought of him, well before we even existed. We trust in Jesus and we find ourselves a part of something that is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. Sometimes this being chosen idea can lead to arrogance. God chose me. Uh, I'm special. But you see the emphasis in this whole first section is God's grace, God's love, God's will, God's purpose, God's choice. It can only lead us to humility. Before we existed, before you or I had done anything, stress-free productivity or otherwise, He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sights. Now, of course, that doesn't describe you or me, does it? Holy and blameless. But united with Christ, being found in him, we're viewed by God the Father as Jesus is, holy and blameless. And being found in Jesus, we steadily become more like him. We have a purpose to grow into the likeness of Christ. Uh, People who trust in Jesus are often called Christians. But the Bible more often uses this language of being in Christ. All that God has done for his people and all for which he is praised has been accomplished in and through Christ. Anyway, that's past blessing. Past blessing chosen before the creation of the world. What about the present? We're really into being present these days, aren't we? That's what we're meant to do. Just be present. We'll see verses 5 to 8, the present blessing of adoption and redemption. 
I'll, I'll read verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, some of you know that famous saying from J.I. Packer, from Knowing God, his, his chapter on adoption, where he says, the immediate message of adoption to our hearts is surely this, do I as a Christian understand myself? Do I know my own real identity, my own real destiny? And this is the famous bit, I am a child of God. God is my father, heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. He goes on, say that over and over to yourself, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. As you wait in traffic, anytime your mind is free and ask that you may be enabled to live as one who knows it to be utterly and completely true. Packer says, for this is the Christian secret of a happy life. Yes, certainly. But we have something both higher and profounder to say. This is the Christian's secret of the Christian life of a God-honouring life, and these are the aspects of the situation that really matter, may this secret become fully yours and fully mine. So you say it to yourself, I am a child of God. That's who I am. I am a child of God. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. Uh, My Saviour is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. And you notice here the emphasis on sonship. Uh, Of course, both male and female are are on view, but it was the son in their culture who would inherit, the oldest son. And having been found in Christ, God the Son himself, his inheritance becomes ours. And that's why Paul's using the language that he is. Christianity is thoroughly relational. Adoption is family language. You cannot live in Christ in solitude. It's not something we can do alone. And we should be careful of that in our individualistic culture. You notice redemption is mentioned next in verse 7. In him, we read... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now you may know redemption is that uh, is to be rescued by payment of a price. Uh, you rescue a, a slave from slavery by handing over the cash. Uh, here's the payment, now let the slave go free. Uh, that's where the word came from. You rescue uh, someone, a sinner from slavery to sin and death by providing a sacrifice as a substitute. The penalty for sin is paid through Jesus' blood. Here's my life, says Jesus, that you may go free, that you may be adopted into the family of God. And God lavishes this gift on us. It's a great word, lavished, isn't it? Heaped, poured, bestowed, covered. We did nothing. He did 
everything. Jesus poured his life out in our place. Past blessing, election. Present blessing, adoption, redemption. Now look to the future, the final day. It's helpful to remember though, isn't it, the context in which Paul is praising God for these blessings, reflecting while he's in chains in Rome taking stock. He he casts his thoughts back before the creation of the world. He considers his present reality, not the chains, but the greater reality, adoption and redemption. And he looks to the future, verses 9 and 10. I'll, I'll read there. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Uh, What's he saying here? Uh, God has blessed his people by revealing something that we could not otherwise know. We couldn't figure it out for ourselves. He made known the mystery, that is... God is in the process of organising the entire universe, both heavenly and earthly dimensions around Christ. I love this line from Tillman. He says, The historical course of the universe finds its organisational principle in him, in Jesus. Paul looks to that final day when that unity that we all long for will be fully and finally established. Everything in the future brought under Christ, history moving towards a glorious goal. And as we move towards finishing this talk, a much lesser goal, uh, though a goal all the same, you notice with me that the scope uh, of this blessing, uh, verse 11 and 12, Paul includes himself as a Jew. Uh, th- those who, were, who first put their hope in Christ, in him we were also chosen, he says. The, the hope of salvation was first for the Jew. Uh, in verse 13, he includes non-Jews, Gentiles. Let me read there. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So you notice the flow. We Jews, you Gentiles, and as he talks about the Holy Spirit, he shifts to our inheritance. You see, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of God's glory. Jews... God's chosen people of old, their salvation is found in Christ. Before Jesus, they could have nothing to do with Gentiles, non-Jews. They'd call us Gentiles, at least I'm a Gentile. Most of us here are. They'd call us uh, dogs because we were unclean, uh, filthy. They could have nothing to do with us. Yet in Christ, the two that were at odds are brought together sharing salvation. 
and sharing the promised Holy Spirit, who's that deposit, that that down payment guaranteeing the fullness of things to come. Deposits are wonderful things, aren't they? You know, I want to buy this thing, so I'll put down the deposit to secure it. The Holy Spirit secures us for eternity, guaranteeing the fullness of the things to come. You, You see that these blessings, they stretch from eternity to eternity, chosen before the creation of the world in Christ, adopted and redeemed in Christ, history moving to all things coming under Christ, in Christ, Jew and Gentile alike sealed by God the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting reflection while chained up in Rome, isn't it? Praise, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm not particularly happy about the interest rate at the moment. And the cost of living, you know, the inflation, it's, it's no fun, isn't it? The rental market isn't great. That applies to a number of you. And, and you may be finding that life is a bit hectic at the moment for a whole range of different reasons. Now, I don't know how you reflect. We struggle with all kinds of things, don't we? Sometimes it is a matter of just getting through the day, the week. Or sometimes the high achiever. We we can get so wrapped up in and excited over things that are just too small. There is something very big for us to grow up into here, isn't there? Wonderful truths to understand more and more of what it means to be in Christ. You were chosen. You you wonder, am I chosen? Uh, Well, you come to him and you are. Uh, You marvel at him and you are. You, You hand your life to Jesus, you are. You rest in his care, you are. You ask him to help with the doubts, you are. Jesus paying the penalty for your sin on the cross, redeemed, adopted. God is my father. Heaven is my home. My saviour is my brother. The mystery revealed. All things will come under Christ. The Holy Spirit is my down payment, guaranteeing what is to come. It is for the Jew and the Gentile alike. Let's, Let's pray, eh? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we want to bow before your throne and say praise be to you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For Lord, you have blessed us in ways beyond our imagination. Lord, we thank you for revealing this mystery to us in Christ by the power of your Spirit. We thank you for uh, sending that bloke Paul to preach the gospel, that many might trust and follow Jesus too. And we thank you that your saving message has reached us here in Bagara. Lord God, as we reflect on life, as we take stock, we're sorry for thinking too small. We're sorry for the ways that we narrow things to this life. And we pray that we would marvel at how big and wonderful, how grand and roomy your salvation for us in Jesus is. 
Show us, Lord, how big and wonderful you are. Uh, Help us understand more of how secure we are in Jesus. And Lord, we believe that you have many in this town who are yours. And so as we speak of you to our friends and family, as we uh, proclaim the name of Jesus, we pray that many more would be saved. And we pray all this in his great name. Amen.